gentlemen, welcome to episode 214 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, we are here to preview week three in the CFL of the 2023 season. The whole crew here together this evening. I'm Ryan alongside Mike, Trey, and Adam. Uh, we're going to talk about all the major matchup storylines, the fantasy players to watch, and our betting picks for each of the games this week. We're also live on a variety of different platforms, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Uh, so send in your comments, send in your questions in the live chat if you're joining us on our YouTube feed. Uh, and that's all thanks to Game Time TV. Learn more at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, as always, we also want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the uh, Anishinaabe, Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Let's bring in the rest of our panel here this evening. Mike, you got your big prize from your big Vegas Golden Knights hockey pool victory, and it's a Seattle Kraken jersey you're wearing here tonight. What, what What's going on here, buddy? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing dead well. The story was I was offered another jersey, which, quite honestly, is not one of my favorites. Uh, my understanding was that it was the jersey of the winning team. Uh, but anyway, it was just an assorted jersey um, that they had left. My other option was the Jets aviator jerseys. The one with the simple, kind of that powder blue with the white Jets in handwriting. Um I'm like, nope, I'd like to take the Kraken jersey. No, I have not switched allegiances, for those wondering. I just wear jerseys for the sake of wearing jerseys. And I know why people might be asking, why are you bringing a hockey jersey to a football podcast? I don't know. I just felt like wearing the jersey. It's just another horse in the race, right, Mike? Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. That's a dead way to look at it. Well, speaking of uh, somebody who knows all about horses in the race, he had a big weekend out in Toronto and uh, came back with a little bit of bling, I believe. Uh, the great Trey Colbeck is here. Trey, how was your trip? Yeah, apparently they uh, try to give these hats out to make the fine people of Toronto feel a little bit more country. Uh, you know, when you're when you're pulling off a major like six lane highway to a racetrack, you're not exactly in the most uh, rural area. But you know, it was a good weekend. Got taken a good football game. Uh, and Chad Kelly. I mean, I wonder who wonder who talked good about him over the off season. Hey, eh? I wonder who had him highlighted and circled. But uh, yeah, it's all good. Uh, I'm doing good. And I'm surprised your- Adam. I can surprise Adam could stomach that hat, put it on today, man. Honestly. Hey, I'm about as optimistic as an 18 uh, point team that just lost a game would be. And apparently in Saskatchewan, that's really optimistic. I don't get it, but Saskatchewan fans said that was a good 18 point loss against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I've never heard of them ever saying such a thing, but I guess they're optimistic in Saskatchewan. So I figured, ah, why not put the away jersey on, put the rider hat on that I had to replace because the other one's hanging behind Trey right over there and uh, go from there. So uh, also just before I forget, I just wanted to wish everybody, all of our first nations peoples that are watching the gate are watching this happy indigenous people's day. 
uh, it is today. Awesome. Yes, important to note that as well. Uh, Trey, I can't believe you forgot when I was talking about the bling. I was talking about the one thing you've been hoping to get for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here it is. Here it is. There's the Argos Grey Cup ring that Bomber fan Trey managed to secure at BMO Field to taking in the Argos and the Ticats. They were giving them out to the Ticat fans. I was talking to some Ticat fans that they literally had to say, like, are you kidding me? And just walk by the people. Like, they were handing them out to everybody, no matter what. So... Uh, I, I should have what a pig fan show no mercy. They took the riders' free hat and celebrated with it. <laughs> I should I did I didn't know I should have taken the rider hat, but no. I was I was known as that bomber guy for about three hours, so you know. <laughs> it was great. Well behaved, uh, I'm sure. Um as always. Uh big nickelback concert last night, also. Big I'm actually Trey. I'm surprised I have my voice because I did my horse racing podcast this morning too. And uh, yeah, when you're screaming rock star and all that, the photo, photo, look at this graph, you know, you got to have the voice ready. The Chad Kroger voice is a tough one to imitate. It is. It is and uh, that that's for an off-season show, perhaps. Best, uh, best Nickelback impression. Well, all right, let's get in talking about the football here. Uh, of course, we're going to preview week three in the CFL. If you're looking for other additional content from us as well, check out our Discord community at the link in the episode description. We've got live game chats during every game, uh, fantasy updates, uh, all that fun stuff, general CFL chatter amongst us and our listeners. So uh, check that out. If that's something that interests you, you can join for free there. And let's get into our first game of the week. It comes Thursday night, uh, I believe, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. The BC Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a matchup of two 2-0 two football teams going head-to-head at IG Field. Uh, let's go to Adam here first. I believe you're giving us some insight on the Bombers side of things here. Uh, tell us what your major storylines are there. Well, I think the major storyline in Winnipeg, I think will be the, uh, absence, I guess, because it is now listed as out. Demario Houston, uh, will be out for this game defensive end. He has been a big part of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' success so far. Uh, has had some knockdowns, had some great uh, defensive plays, and will not be in this game for a non-injury-related issue. Okay, that's a little bit strange, but nevertheless, uh, that's what is listed up there, and I will go with that and see what's going on. I do not know. Uh, it would be very interesting to know if anybody in Winnipeg knows what's going on with Mr. Houston. Uh, the other one that's a big issue over maybe for injury-wise on Winnipeg, and this is maybe more of uh, for Ryan to talk about because of fantasy, Brady Oliveira uh, will be a uh, game-time decision uh, going into this game here. So you never know. Maybe Jogging Augustine gets in there. Maybe they go and they put in uh, Grant as a running back. Or was it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what Winnipeg does here uh, as per options, if Brady Oliveira is not ready to go, uh, had a reasonable game against Saskatchewan, had a 100-yard game in his first game, I know, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, another little neat little stat that's kind of going to be interesting. Again, uh, don't get that. That secondary thing is very important for the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, BC has probably one of the best re receiving cores 
that isn't the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Essentially, uh, they will be healthy this week. I know uh, Mike will talk about this a little bit more shortly. So be aware when you're watching that about watching for the uh, secondary and the uh, receiving core of the BC Lions. Uh, the other part that I just wanted to bring up as a neat little stat, uh, did Willie Jefferson find the fountain of youth sometime lately? He's got three pass knockdowns already. He's got two sacks. He has been dominant on that line so far. And you got to remember, he's doing this with a rookie uh, end on the other side of him. Uh, that he means he usually gets probably double teamed or something because they know he's going to bring the big rush. So give Willie Jefferson all the credit in the world. Uh, he has been doing good, uh, actually exceptional so far with the loss of uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, especially on the other side of him. Uh, one other little point to bring up. Dalton Schoen, that guy there, just came back. I've said sophomore slump at the beginning of this year. Yeah, he's making me eat my words. 205 yards so far, leading the lead in, in uh, uh, what do you call targets, and also in yards, uh, not in touchdowns yet. That's still Dominic Rhymes' thing. But uh, will uh, look like another dominant game. They're going to have to figure out something. I mean, Saskatchewan did all they could. They put Roland Milligan on him, and... Yeah, I wasn't doing much. Dalton Schoen was open whenever he wanted to be open uh, pretty much this whole last of the game. Uh, I could talk about Zach Kalaros and a few other guys, but you know what? There is no real point because we all know that Zach Kalaros is going to do what Zach Kalaros does. We all know that this team is really great on their uh, receiving core. The only thing, like I said before, again, watch the secondary. If, they, uh, if they're going to have success, they can seem to run up the score easily enough as long as they can stop the BC Lions. Speaking of the Lions, Mike, what do you got on the BC Lions? Yeah, for BC, I have this as a litmus test just to see how good they really are. Uh, and to be honest, I think I would extend it both ways. You know, people just say, oh, Winnipeg had outscored their problems. Uh, you know, 40-plus points and didn't win you a lot of games no matter what your defense does. But uh, I, I believe this will be a litmus test for both sides. Uh, both sides will want to say that they are the best team in the CFL and three hours, maybe three hours plus of football will decide this. Uh, what I really liked about this matchup right off the hop, and Adam already, you kind of talked about it, it's the receivers for Winnipeg. I counted with the receivers for BC. Um, I, I think both these teams will have this ability to stretch the field with their quarterbacks. Um, my only concern for, obviously, BC is they are adding Lucky Whitehead. And, but, but, however, they are losing. Um, name escapes me right now uh, because of injury. Dominic Rimes. Dominic thank you. Um, so... I don't know if you would consider that to be a soft skill-wise uh, or not. Uh, this is also a team that's uh, in the process of having Tion Hatcher on the sixth game. So is wide receiver depth going to be an issue when uh, Kalaros can seemingly throw to any of the receivers in any given day uh, to, to get yards? Uh, we'll see. Um, I I actually feel that the BC Lions have the better defense as it sits right now. Um, granted, the teams that they played haven't really put up an offensive challenge all that much. Um, but just granted that BC 
uh, has a pretty good defense, but has been able to keep some teams in check. Granted, Saskatchewan, granted, uh, I'm sorry, not Saskatchewan, but uh, uh, Edmonton and then uh, Calgary. Um, so, so I'm really curious to see how this is going to go. I know we're going to get into the Lions. Uh, I, I did see the line at six favoring the Bombers. It was six and a half at one point. Um, th- this is by far uh, the game of the week this week and maybe even the game of the season so far. And we'll see. We'll see if it lives up to the billing. Yeah, I think this game here is probably your uh... – Looks like the two top teams in the West right now. I mean, there is no real team that kind of competes either, I think, with Winnipeg or BC. Saskatchewan's arguable. Same thing with Calgary. Maybe they had a bad game in the first outing. But, uh, yeah, look at one thing, though, that I wanted to bring up quickly and just get a quick little insight for many of you guys if you want to pitch in on this one. Winnipeg, they've given up a lot of points uh, in their first two games, in all honesty, when I take a look at this. I think against Saskatchewan, they were going back and forth until the uh, touchdown uh, kick return touchdown from Janarian Grant. Before that, that was a back and forth game, which the riders were well in uh, the second, the first game. Yeah. They ran up the score quite a bit on uh, Hamilton at first, but they let Hamilton kind of run back a little bit into the game. Maybe not that it was like uncomfortable for bomber fans, but certainly that last game there in the third quarter, halfway through, I'm sure there had to have been some Bomber fans kind of getting a little nervous. Uh, just give us your guys, if you want to give a quick thought uh, on the Winnipeg defense, on anything you wanted to talk about there. I mean, it's been, but don't break, right? And the first game, really, you can't even, can't even chalk that one up to the defense. Those offense and special teams giving up 21 points on three plays. The defense completely shut Bo down and he had nothing going in that game. Whereas, I was surprised that Trevor Harris and the Riders offense put up as much as they did against the Bombers. But I think I said last year, sloppiest 15 and three football team I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know. They might have the run for the money with, with this year's if things continue on the roller coaster run. One thing that I, I will counter with is the injuries on defense for the Blue Bombers that go beyond Jackson Jeffcoat. They haven't had, uh, they haven't had one of their corners. Uh, also, his name escapes me. Uh, right, right but yeah, they've had they've also had a lot of injuries that uh, defensively. Uh, they have Chiadric Hansen on the sixth game as a D end, they have Justin Jeffcourt on the sixth game. This will be a second game. Uh, they're also missing now uh, one of the DBs, Ryan, whose name escapes me right now. Um, on the corner, uh, Winston Rose is another one. And and there's a fourth guy way down there that I'm trying to think of. Um, so I, I don't know, right? It's like Ryan said, this is a prototypical Richie Hall band, but don't break. Um, you know, th- this is a defense that I think gets the job done uh, when called upon. Um, am I happy with the defense? No. Um, am I happy with two wins? Absolutely, right? Because that's... That's really what this is about in the grand scheme of things. And I, I think even good teams have things to work on. Um, but I remember, I think it was last year, maybe, maybe I'm pretty sure it was last year. Um, you know, we had this discussion about bomber defense, bomber defense, bomber defense, right? And 
if it ain't broke, you know, don't try to fix it, right? And it, it gets the job done. I, I just want to see what does do uh, when healthy. And to be fair, Trevor Harris had the history of uh, lighting up the Blue Bombers uh, as well. Does he? With those, with those quick outlets, it's impossible to blitz them on a team. The Bomber defense is predicated on trying to get to the quarterback as fast as possible. If Harris takes that away, man on man, that's where you see kind of the weakness. But it's going to be interesting either way because I think we're really going to see what both teams are made of. Try anything. All I know is if I see three straight hours of this Ben not break, I'm bringing my whiteboard to next week's show. I'm sick of it. I'll coach. I'll show you how to coach defense. I, I agree with Mike. It, 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 like with the whole if it's working. But my problem is that one game or one game comes in October or November where it doesn't work, right? Yeah. You know, or you do end up giving. You can only rely on like I feel like it's a Madden defense, right? Like it's Madden. No, it really is. You can just look at the team can just throw a thousand yards on you, but you'll get a pick at the end zone or a fumble or something stupid that can only happen in make-believe video game world, right? So that's kind of what this Bomber team does, and it stresses the hell out of me on Madden, and it stresses the hell out of me in real life. But I want to see new weekly bonus content in the Discord, Coach's Hour with Trey and the whiteboard. Give me a whiteboard. I can figure any play out, guys. There we go. Uh, well, let's see if we can figure any fantasy players out as we I move mean, on to fantasy players to watch. Uh, we'll discuss it later, but who did really good? You did really good there. Well done, Trey. Great week. Great week for Trey all around. Uh, fantasy players to watch in this game. I'll give you five for each game here this evening, and I'll run through them quickly on this one. Uh, we talked a couple about a couple key injuries, and Dominic Rhymes for sure out. Brady Oliveira, doubtful to play. That leads to some value play opportunities. Uh, if Johnny Augustine is the starting running back, he comes in at $5,200 on the official CFL fantasy site. Uh, Augustine's looked good in times where he's been given opportunities. Uh, and in a league, you know, where a lot of the starting running backs are $10,000 plus. If you're just looking for a cheap play for a starting running back in what should be a high-scoring game, Johnny Augustine could potentially be a play there. Uh, on the BC side of things, uh, a couple of wide receivers I like. I don't want to put Lucky Whitehead in my lineup coming straight back from injury, but I think Alexander Hollins, I'll throw him in here for another week in a row at $11,000. He's averaged 6.5 targets a game through his two games so far. Solid production there for him. Price is getting a bit high, but uh, I think with Ryan's out, he could get more of a role. And if you really want to go value play there, I mean, Aiden Eberhardt, $5,000, was a standout performer in the preseason, I, I believe I was reading. And last week put up 7.7 .7 points, a modest total, but not bad when you're paying only 5000 bucks. He'll get to start again with Dominic Rhymes out of the lineup. Uh, Taquan Mazel from the BC side of things at running back. I like that as a potential play also. I mean, he's had over 100 yards in one game, 90-something in the other. He's averaging three to four receptions a game, and that's pretty solid production with no touchdowns yet. So if they can put some points on the board like Saskatchewan did against the Bombers last week, maybe he secures some touchdowns there also. Uh, and then the last player to mention, you know, is uh, Dalton Schoen, and Adam touched on him a little bit there. 
he's pricey. He's as expensive as it gets at $15,000, but he's averaged a massive 10 and a half targets a game so far. He has the potential for multiple touchdowns uh, as well, uh, you know, on any given week, really. Uh, so he has the potential for a skyrocketing score. It's hard to hit value with those big plays, but if anybody can, I think Dalton Schoen is one of those options. Uh, let's go to everybody's uh, fan- else's fantasy pick in this one. Uh, Trey, who are you watching? God, I got to take my boy Dalton Schoen. I'll pay that price. Uh, in our fantasy league, he was the second highest scorer on the roster by the looks of it, right? So... Why he he only got lost out to another guy that I'm gonna obviously take in my team uh, by a couple points. I, I can't see Dalton showing. Uh, yeah, and yes, FM fan. It fits good. It only fits in my pinky though. It is kind of small. I don't know. The bomber ones can fit at least on my ring one, but this one's a pinky ring, I guess. You know, they get to have small hands in Toronto. I don't know. <laughs> is that a thing? So people in the stand said they couldn't understand me because I spoke to Manitoban. So, you know, I mean, there must be some differences. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's a different game. Uh, Adam, what about you? What's uh, your fantasy player watching this one? I don't know if I should be keeping my cards tight right against the chest because, you know, me and Ryan are uh, going on the head to head this week uh, over in the Discord Fantasy uh, League. Look, it doesn't, but, uh, it doesn't matter, Adam. The result will flip five times as the stats get corrected. So, the old win the time will split it down the middle and call it a tie. I don't know. That's about it. Kiss, kiss the cousin of where you go. <laughs> Anyways, wait, no, that's Saskatchewan. I'll just leave that up. What? Anyways, we'll move on here. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking over at uh, – I wanted to take TJ Mizzle at first this week uh, just because he's been giving me lots of good points for not a whole lot of money. Uh, but then I remembered, you know what, he's got also face Willie Jefferson, which doesn't usually end well. Uh, so I'm going to probably change that one. However, I'm going to pull off the Trey Colbeck this week, and I will go Dalton Schoen because the guy's been lighting it up. I mean – it concerns me a little bit with the BC defense, especially their secondary. But honestly, he can find his way open. He's very magi- He's almost majestic in how he can find his way open in the middle of a field uh, when I watched him last week. So, yeah, I, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going Dalton Schoen this week. All right, so three of us have mentioned Dalton Schoen so far. Mike, you uh, going to continue the trend, or who's your fantasy player to watch between Winnipeg and BC? My- my fantasy player to watch is the Bombers' second leading receiver from last week. I want to see if he can follow it up. Drew Wallatarski. Um, if everybody seems to think that Dalton's shown and going to go deep, I expected a lot of underneath short routes for a guy like uh, Drew Wallatarski. Uh, might be a solid uh, play. Just a quick couple of notes, too. I don't know if you guys picked it up on the, on the depth chart. The Bombers only dressed. 44 uh, players on the depth chart today. They do have an open roster spot, which leads me to believe that it is possible that Craig McRae joins the roster as number 45. Also something to keep in mind. And if you also look at the depth chart as well, um, it is, sorry here, it is Jake Thomas. Listed as number 65, which makes me go, hmm, 
So he is also a possibility to dress as a backup offensive lineman. So some potential jumbo packages. We saw that last week. Um, So historically, though, guys, to be honest, outside of Zach Polaros, I've kind of, and maybe Brady Oliveira, I've kind of stayed away from Obama receivers in fantasy just because we don't know who seems to get the ball. Right, you can't. Yeah. Outside of Dalton Schoen, who's the safe pit to maybe get a hundred yards a week, who is that second guy that typically touches a hundred? It varies by the week. One week it could be Drew Alatosti, next week it could be Rasheed Bailey, next week it could be Nick Dempsey. Right, so it's it, it's an embarrassment of riches, but also trouble in the fantasy department. Exactly. Uh, and I agree. I agree completely on that one. All right, let's get into our betting picks for this one. Uh, what you got for us here, Trey? Okay, real quick, we got to do a recap. Uh, so last week, uh, my, uh, myself and Adam went 4-0 and against the spread, picking against the spread, led to some big money, which we'll talk about. Ryan went 3-1, and and Mike went 2-2. Two and two. So our season totals, me and Ryan are tied at 6-2 and two overall. Adam is 5-3. and three. Mike sits at 2-2 two and two as he missed out week one. Over and under is, again, I had a pretty – me and Adam had a solid week three and one um, where Ryan went 2-2 two and two and Mike maybe should stick to his hockey and not over under. He went 0-4, oh uh, which is okay. He's still learning. Um, so, again, our season totals on that is I'm 6-2, Adam's 504-4, and four, Ryan's 3-5, and five, and Mike's 0-4. Oh so, if you follow along and do the betting, $5 each game – and a $5 parlay on the spreads, and same thing with the over-unders, and then a parlay, $50 each week. If you followed along, you would have made $78.41 with me, and that's like already subtracted the 50. It would have been 130-something, so your total, your net, $78.41. If you followed Adam, your net would be $49.90. If you followed Ryan, you would be in the hole $14.45. And if you followed Mike last week, you'd be negative so you're making money with me and Adam. The other two ah, stick to ant farms, I guess, boys. I don't know. So, um, but this week, this one, yeah, like Mike alluded to earlier, minus six Winnipeg, the home favorite, and an over/under of 48 and a half. So, Mr. Manitoba betting expert here, this one's tough. This is a big spread. I don't like it, but I will take Winnipeg minus six. I have learned not to bet against Winnipeg. Last year, I was hard on them, and that's what screwed me up early in the season. So I will take Winnipeg minus six. I know BC's talented, but I think it will be a full touchdown. 48 and a half, I'll take the over because, you know, BC, they got 22 last week. They got, you know, another big score. Uh, I think it was 25 the first week. If you add that to 30-some, the Bombers would have to win by 32. We're looking good, boys. So, yeah, I'm taking minus six and the over. Ryan, let's go with you. I'm going to take the exact same thing on both of these, and this is not me just trying to, you know, ride ride Trey's coattails here. Uh, Last season, we had this big matchup between the top two teams in the West, BC and Winnipeg, and suddenly Winnipeg kind of jumped out to a pretty big lead, and I think won that one pretty handily. Uh, I, I do like a lot of what I've seen from BC, but I like the Bombers at home more and enough to cover the spread here, although they'll probably do something wacky to ruin that. Uh, but this one, I feel confident about the over just because these are two high powered offenses, uh, that can put points on the board in bunches. 
Uh, let's move on to Adam here. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, I hate to be the guy that does all the same as you guys as well. But, uh, no, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this week. The last two games that the Bombers and the Lions have played are three games here, other than the one where everybody was sitting because, you know, everybody just sat. Because it was the end of the season and nobody cared. Uh, except for Nathan Burke, who came back in that game for some reason. Anyways, uh, the other games, Winnipeg's blowing BC out in the first half quite handedly. Even in the playoff game, it felt like Winnipeg was just going to get off to a roll and just carry this game on. It became a gun show for a little while, and I, I'm definitely going to want to take the over because of that. Uh, I just don't know. Vernon Adams had two good games in a row. Bad Vernon's about to come out, I think. Uh, no, we go with uh, Winnipeg in the over. Winnipeg in the over. Mikey, what do you got, buddy? One sentence. I don't yeah. want to repeat myself for reasons that have already been discussed. Oh, so yeah, you're going to take the same? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me for a second. Yeah, hey, sounds good. So yeah, we all took minus six and a half Winnipeg, and we took the over... Ah, that's fine. So you guys can't catch up to me if I'm wrong. So I'll like that. More like if we're going down, we're taking you with us. Now I'm worried. Now I'm picking the same as you three yahoos. I don't know if that's a good choice, but uh, not, I think that's pretty solid. Hey, I'm right there with you against the spread. All right, let's get into our next game here of the week. It's the Friday night matchup. The Montreal Alouettes coming off the bye week in Hamilton for the Ticats home opener. Uh, Friday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's go to you first on this one, Mike. I believe you're telling us all about the Ticats here, correct? Yep. Uh, the Ticats, the biggest thing for me is the Matthew Schultz. I don't know if you want to call it era. Uh, Matthew Schultz starting campaign. Matthew Schultz's Hall of Fame campaign. campaign? Sorry? Hall of Fame campaign? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, one would one would suspect that Matthew Schultz might be a little bit angry uh, with his team's management having to figure out what he needs to do to get a legitimate start at number one. Well, this is a pretty darn good start, if you ask me. Um, no. So what happened was uh, last week they lost to Toronto in a game that... I don't know. I reckon it to someone going ATVing and getting stuck in the mud and going in a lot of water and getting stuck in the mud and not being able to gain any traction to get out. That is my estimation of what happened to Hamilton. Um, although we did see a lot of uh, what I thought ailed them against Winnipeg, uh, penalties, penalties, penalties. Um, the one thing that I am thankful for as a Bomber fan relative to Hamilton is we're able to keep the penalties in check so far. Um, the amount of free yards that Hamilton seems to be giving out, uh, like Christmas presents sometimes, I, I just don't understand. Um, it's a football team that isn't really playing like a football team at times. Uh, when you're taking selfish penalties, such as what we saw on a couple of the drives, which absolutely turned the game, which is what you would expect. Now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about the 
pass interference where you go hand in hand with the guy and pull him down at the last minute. I'm talking about the roughing the pass or, you know, those 15-yard penalties that are avoidable. Clean it up. They have a lot to clean up. Um, despite Matthew Schultz being in, in, in the game as the starter, and Ryan, I think you alluded to this uh, after the game, and I could not agree more. Uh, the best quarterback on the roster finally gets his chance to play. I, I have long felt that if I had to start a core, if I had to start a team from scratch, I certainly would consider Matthew Schultz among the options uh, for a quarterback, not necessarily playing, but a spot on my roster uh, in, in the right situation. Um, so it is the home opener. I can imagine a whole bunch of apprehension, uh, potentially from Hamilton side of things. If, well, already a one, two, but a one, three in a great top year, the, well, let's just say if the temperature wasn't warm enough outside, it could potentially get a whole lot warmer, uh, after this game. Um, so yeah, that's, that's. Kind of a couple of the things that I'm watching for. Clean up the I know we got, I just want to make a quick point because I talked yeah. to a lot of Hamilton fans. I was surprised none of them well, this was a small sample size, like five or six guys. They all love Coach O still, and there was no he, he the fan base anyway, my sense was he's not in hot water. Now was from the front office might be completely different. And I'm not saying that's what you were saying, but like you just said that the temperature might get hotter in Hamilton. I was surprised for a team who's on the verge of going 0 and three. The fan base seemed pretty okay with their head coach. That, that's all I was saying. I, I I think it's because everybody's got their their eyes pointed at offensive coordinator Tommy Condell as the first guy that's got to go. Right. That's fair too. That's fair too. I was just thinking though, like I thought me personally, knowing the head coach was also the president and GM, where oh my job is safe. Like I, I would be maybe thinking he needs to go. Like I, you know, but yeah, I'm surprised. And, the fan, and I, I should, I'm surprised. Yeah. I should clarify that. My temperature being cranked up, I'm not advocating for somebody to be fired. It's just yeah. you can't handle loss after loss after loss after loss, especially if, you know, they're avoidable type of things for the most part that you can clean up. And I hate to say this, but they need better out of their quarterback. I know it is Captain Obvious. And there's really going to be a controversy or a lot thereof if Schultz comes in and throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but again, you win the game. That's all, that's all that really matters, right? And uh, yeah, I personally, I, I believe Orlando Steinauer will be safe for the season regardless what happens. It's just not a good look with the team hosting the great type going on 1-3. Yeah, I've heard this story before. I just can't think of which team off the top of my head. Anyways. Uh, it, it's actually, I think, might be the team that is on the top of your head. Ah, ah fair enough. <laughs> Anyways. For the uh, audio listeners, he's wearing a rider's hat. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Anyways, uh, nevertheless, you know, yeah, Hamilton's got their problems. But, you know, the other team they're playing this week, they've got problems too. It's not like... Uh, the Montreal Alouettes are uh, the best and most clean team in the East right now. Maybe they're maybe not as bad as some of the others, but uh, 
They did win their first game. I mean, it was against Ottawa. But you got to look at that game pretty carefully there. Ottawa has a pretty good defense overall. Uh, it's just that they got to play a lot because most times the offense is off the field because they probably had a two and out. That being said, they got six sacks on Cody Fajardo in the first game. If Montreal is going to have any success whatsoever, they have got to clean up the sack situation. Uh, this was an issue for Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan. It's going to be another issue this year. It almost looks like, yes, Jason Moss has said to us, oh, this will not continue. Let's see it, Jason. Then we'll talk. Uh, the other part on this is, though, it's not just on Cody Fajardo to try to avoid the sack. It's got to be a little bit on your receiving core to try to get a little bit more open, try to make a play or two to try to get the ball out and open quickly. Uh, Austin Mack had a great game for his first game in. Uh, I think it was 90-plus yards he had, had a touchdown reception, looked really good uh, for his first game in the CFL, and he's getting looked at. Anybody else can name a uh, receiver in Montreal that uh, really is going to be a game-changer right now? I mean, don't get me wrong. They've got a few pieces in there. Uh, and again, they've got a good return system. But with Greg Ellingson out, I don't feel comfortable yet in the Montreal receiving core. I think they really need some help there. And also, they need some work on the running back situation. Yes, William Stanback is back. Great. But is he still uh, maybe a little bit tentative? I don't know. And I don't want to say that because... He has been a dominant receiver or running back in this league for a very long time. Jeshwan Antry uh, took a lot of yards last time, uh, just about as many, I think, as William Stanback. So it'll be very interesting to see if Jason Moss starts using his running backs. Sometimes he has a tradition of deciding, I'm just going to throw the football and say the heck with the uh, receiving or with running game. But uh, let's hope in Montreal he doesn't do that because that really takes a lot of pressure off of your offensive line and maybe off of getting Cody Vajardo uh, looking up at the Montreal uh, landscape because that doesn't help anybody when he's looking up at the stars in Montreal at night uh, or in this case in Hamilton. Uh, nevertheless, I think this game will be very interesting to see in one other piece. Uh, Siante Evans, he was an interception leader Early in the season, he's gotten two already. Uh, looks very promising right now. Uh, we'll see what he does, especially against maybe a more rookie quarterback in Matthew Schiltz uh, to see if he can confuse him and do something to uh, continue his ball hawkish ways. Uh, Ryan, what other players are we looking at here for fantasy? Uh, what have you got on that side of things? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like both quarterbacks in this game this week for kind of similar, but different reasons. I mean, Cody Fajardo is at $14,000. I don't think a lot of people are looking at Fajardo and fantasy this week. I think there's other quarterbacks and other matchups that people may have more of an eye on uh, just 0.8% of people have selected them so far, according to the CFL fantasy site. And I think that's underselling how many points he could bring you this week. I mean, he was the third highest scoring quarterback in week number one. Uh, he's a mobile quarterback. He scored a rushing touchdown in week one. And he plays against a Hamilton defense that has just been downright terrible uh, all season. And, you know, if Fajardo's going to run the ball in if they get close to the goal line and they're getting close to there because either the offense is moving or Hamilton's defense is taking those penalties to get them there. Yeah, I, I like Fajardo as a quarterback option this week. 
And I also like his, his opponent, Matthew Schultz, for the value play at $7,300. I mean, a starting QB for $7,300, you take that if, if it means you can fit other pieces you want in your lineup. He went 13 of 14 last week for a touchdown when he filled in in the game. Some of that was probably garbage time for sure. But, uh, you know, Schultz is a mobile quarterback as well. I think with some of their offensive line problems, he's going to need to be a bit more mobile which should lead to some uh, additional rushing yardage and points there for him. So I like both quarterbacks in this game as well. Uh, I like a couple of Alouette's wide receivers. He touched on Austin Mack. He was the Al's top receiver in week number one, and yet he's still only 4,900, which is pretty low for a starting receiver in CFL fantasy. I think, like you said, they're still trying to find their guy to establish himself as the number one. And if he can continue and produce even half of what he did last time out it would be a good play. I like Kion Julian Grant still as well. Modest performance in week one, I think, was around eight points there. But he did have a big catch. Seems like Fajardo likes to throw that deep ball. So if you can find him on another big one, he had a couple big plays last year. And I think he can still be one of the top Alouettes wide receivers. And finally, your fifth fantasy player to watch in this game. I cannot believe I'm putting a Ticats running back on the list. But I think James Butler, even though he's 15,000, is actually starting to really become a strong fantasy option. He's averaged just shy of 20 points in his two games so far, despite the offense not being good. Uh, you know, what is it going to look like when they, if they do start being able to produce a little bit more here? Seven receptions last week as well for a running back, which is insane. And I think Matthew Schultz could lean on him to take a little bit of the pressure off there. So... Yeah, I like a lot of the fantasy options in this matchup between these two teams here. Uh, let's go uh, back to you here, Adam. Uh, what are you looking at as your fantasy player to watch? Well, I'm debating which running back to use in Montreal because I think they could run for a lot of yards this game against a Hamilton defensive line that, well, hasn't been at all very good. Uh, but I don't know which one to choose yet, if it'll be uh, Antwi or if it'll be William Stanback. I'd like to take Fajardo. I can't afford him. Uh, and I think there's a mobile quarterback that just buys you yards uh, all the time and points that is cheaper and probably a better pick this week. So I'm going to probably try to take one of the running backs from Montreal. And the other one I'm going to take is Austin Mack. I'm going to see what he does. He kind of he, he had a good game in the first one. I'm going to try him in the second one here uh, and see what he can do against a Hamilton defense again. That's been a little bit suspect to start the season. So uh uh mike who do you got for fantasy picks this uh this week yeah i like austin matt um spoiler alert he's going to be in our fantasy lead in my starting lineup this week uh, i still have a couple of other options but i'm considering uh i like both quarterbacks one day i also like and this might be an absolute long shot but based on what I saw at the end of last week's game, I like Tyler Ternowski for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He seems to have that connection with Matthew Schilt. And it's interesting, right? Because those two guys are kind of fringe guys, starters, slash backup practice with one another. I want to see if that connection picks up early on. Um, another guy, if you want a more stable option, if we'll call it that. I'm sorry, Adam, I have to bring this up. Duke Williams, 100-plus yards last week. Um, but 
Yeah, it, I like Chernowski. If you're looking for a really, really, really under-the-radar guy, if you want to load up with heavy, heavy, you know, be- better players with higher monetary value, Chernowski might come in at a, at a really cheap option and give you 50-something yards, which is acceptable and then potentially uh, is able to do stuff down near the goal line. I, I don't know. That might be a reach, but... Uh, that was the guy that I was considering adding to my roster this week. Yeah, Ternowski is at $5,800. Did put up a touchdown and 14 points last week. So if you can get something similar for that, uh, you're taking that to the bank for sure. Uh, Trey, what about you? Who are you looking at for a fantasy pick in this one? Not a single down person, boys. On to the next game. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, there's no requirement. Take anybody from a specific game. Uh, let's talk betting picks. Yeah, you know, a lot of talk here. Tech Hamilton's the home favorite, minus two and a half. C- kind of weird to think about. The one and O team is the underdog against the O and two team. That's where I'm gonna take the Alouette plus two and a half here, boys. I think that's. I'm sorry, FM fan. I don't buy what you're selling. Maybe, maybe Schultz is the answer, but there's a lot of other things wrong with this team other than the quarterback play, and the over-under is 44. I'm going to go under, so I'm taking Montreal and the under. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Oh, I haven't picked against Ray for a long time, and I think finally I might just do that. Uh, I think that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to have a reasonable game. I don't know if they're going to quite – they should win this one here. It's their home game. They should be excited about it. They don't have the quarterback. I think they were expecting to wear number 19 going into this game. But, hey, a uh, quick number five in Matthew Schiltz probably will be okay as well. Uh, Duke Williams is going to probably go and break my heart. Just watch him do it again by missing a big catch, which will cost me the game or something. But um, I'm going to go with Hamilton in this one. Uh, I think I'll go in the uh, over. No, I'll go under on this one here. But, yeah. Let me go with the tie cats this week and uh we'll see what happens uh I guess next week. I'm gonna take math. I think Master Schultz will have a pretty good game. So uh FM fan, they better have a good second half. That's all I can say. I love how you I just do. have the hats at the ready. Uh, and Adam switches to the tie cats hat as he says that. Oski Wee boys. It, who do you got? Mike, who do you got? Yeah, I like uh, I like Montreal and I like the under in this one. Uh, two quarterbacks. I'm not sure if they're gonna be able to get the traction win, but everybody seems to think uh, if it is a run heavy game, I expect it to be a a battle in the trenches, not too many possessions and not too many points. I'm thinking a 20, uh, 17, 13, 19, 13 kind of thing. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but Mike and I have the same two picks to lead off the week. Brian, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Alouettes on this one as well. They tempted me when they said Matt Schiltz was going to be the starter to take Hamilton, but like you said, Trey, there's too many problems, and I'm probably honestly not going to pick the Ticats unless the spread is crazy until they uh, fix the discipline issues as a big thing, first of all. Uh, so I got to take Montreal in on this one. 
And you know what? It worked for me last week You uh, with that Toronto game. You all, nobody trusted me on the over-under. I know my track record hasn't been there, but give me the over on this game. And it's because, you know, the it's at 44. That's a low total. 23-22 gets it done. The Ticats have, on average, given up like 37 points a game. So if they, you know, continue that trend, it's... Uh, all they got to do is score a touchdown themselves to hit it. So I will take the over just barely. Oh, yeah. That half a point on Sunday was brutal to watch, boys. Uh, brutal. I told you guys all along. Going to happen again, that half a point, but in the right way. Well, but anyway. All right, on to our next game. Here we've got the Saturday game between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Calgary Stampeders in Calgary. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, I believe, is the start of this one. Uh, let's go to you here first, Adam. Uh, you're wearing the Riders colors, but I think you're going to tell us uh, the major storylines here for Calgary. Yeah, Mike wanted to talk about the Rough Riders, so I thought, ah, why not let Mike talk about the Rough Riders? I'm going to talk about the Stamps. Uh, first things first, uh, Malik Henry. He had a little bit of a chest injury of some sort. Kind of a weird thing way to, to state it. I mean, ribs or someone else. But anyways, uh, was out for one practice, practice fully now. I would expect probably Malik Henry to play this game. I don't see how uh, Malik Henry doesn't. I think the biggest storyline in this game uh, is going to be the upstart Saskatchewan Rough Rider receiving core versus the Calgary secondary. Uh, Jonathan Moxie has kind of tried to hold on in this uh, secondary, try to keep it together, but just hasn't quite looked right yet in Calgary. I'm not sure if that's the biggest of issue, uh, but nevertheless, it'll be very interesting to see what Calgary uh, does to try to contain some of these young upstart uh, Rough Rider receivers like Tevin Jones, Sean Bain Jr., and, of course, the uh, uh, Sam El Emelis, who, by the way, I don't recommend picking at the last second, uh, going and scratching him and picking Alexander Hollins instead. Not speaking from experience, am I? Anyways, nevertheless, uh, the other thing also to keep an eye on this one here uh, would be uh, uh, Diedrich Mills. It's going to be interesting to see how much uh, yardage the Rough Riders let out in uh, running yards so far, they've done a pretty good job of containing uh, running backs like Brady Oliveira. And in their first game, they did a pretty fair job of uh, also containing Kevin Brown, probably two of the better uh, running backs in the league. Uh, that being said, they've got a real struggle here because Calgary really likes to run that ball. And I'm thinking that Calgary is going to try to really push it down the Rough Riders' throat uh, as this game goes along. The storylines, uh, well, there's one in Saskatchewan that's also been talked about quite a bit. Uh, it has been Jamal Morrow on, and uh, Frankie Hickson not being able to run the ball very much. Uh, but I'll let uh, Mike talk more about that one there. Mike? Yeah, it sounds like Frankie Hickson not going to be in. Uh, the writers are making... Uh, sorry, here, I'll just jump in quickly. Richard was asking what jersey I was wearing. It's just Seattle track in... Uh, Blue jersey there. I'll tilt my camera down. There you go. Uh, seems like that's quite the hit tonight. Um, speaking of hit, it was unfortunately one of the first plays of the game, uh, but not Frankie Hitson out of the game. Uh, one, one of the things that I'm interested to see, um, they have some uh, not too 
good with names, so my apologies, or Adam, maybe you can help me out with this. There seems to be some offensive line adjustments that are coming uh, for the Riders, which is going to be interesting because I feel like that's maybe perhaps where they were lacking uh, last week and maybe a little bit the week before, although they got away with the 10 of, 10 of winning in Edmonton. Uh, more options on the offensive line. Um, so so I, I like that from a standpoint. Uh, MLS, to me, three touchdowns. I might be getting into my fantasy player to watch, but how does he follow it up? Because I remember he took a lot of heat last year uh, for – you know, being this high-end, you know, drop it in a very little performance. Um, so finally, he has this breakout game. How does he respond? Um, to be honest, though, uh, my kind of mere expectations is still on Trevor Harris. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing what confidence an offense can get when they have a quarterback who seems to have commanded a huddle the way Trevor Harris does. Everybody seems to be playing a little bit, you know, two or three inches taller, right, and making making big plays. I really believe that what happened last week against Winnipeg was just the start for this rider offensive. They can find a little bit more defensive stability. Um, and then just the injuries. Like, I, 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 we're into week number three, and that guy's out, and this guy's out, and that guy's out. Uh, you, you know, defensively, like, at some point, you're going to have to be, you know, bringing guys from the practice roster and, you know, signing them to play on pretty quickly at the at the rate. Uh, but the injuries are going. But, again, they've shown that this is not, um, at least from what I've seen, and, Adam, you can maybe – fill in on this, but through two games, this isn't the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of last year. Uh, this is a team that's much further along uh, in, their, in their progression. Are they where they want to be? Absolutely not. But they stuck with the Leeds number one team uh, among some prognosticators for through two and a half quarters and, you know, had a, a, a kick return or a punt return that was you know, 99 and a half times out of 100 going to be stopped, you know, five yards in or for a loss at that point. Um, so so it's just, it's interesting, right? And the way the Riders are currently constructed, I, I see them as a playoff team, um, assuming the things continue to be on that trajectory. Uh, if, I, if I can... Too, I'd like to give some props to the Saskatchewan offensive coordinator. Last year, that was a sore spot amongst the, the writers and their fans about, you know, maybe oversimplicity, not doing a lot to kind of help, help your team. To me, we're starting to see more balance, whether that's, you know, hits in moral um, and, and just smarter plays protecting the football offensively. And you know what? That defense is going to come along, uh, especially with that goal line stop, you know, against Edmonton. That's, yeah, you could say, yeah, it's Edmonton, but still you stop them three times on the one-yard line uh, and end up winning that game. So 
The writers are vastly improved. And uh, spoiler alert to my pit already, I expect them to uh, have a lot of success this week. Yeah, I just want to quickly run through just the injury report for the Rough Riders. And I'm going to do this in auction mode because we need to do this really quick. Vedvik, Marshall, Moncrief, Brown, Daly, uh, um, Corte Moore, Awachi, Frankie Hickson, Anthony Lanier, Julian, Jawan Breskison, Demarcus Christmas, Dolkey, um, Roland Milligan Jr., and Rodney Clemens, and probably a few more that just aren't even on this list that are still in the six game injured list. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, a lot, a lot of injuries for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the season. Uh, big one that, yeah, you were talking about earlier, Mike, uh, about the offensive lines. Uh, Colin Kelly will be in this week. Uh, he's replacing, I believe it's Brandon Council over on the one side. And on the other side, Gerald uh, Hawkins was taken off of the injured, uh, off the suspended list. He will be replacing, uh, I believe it is, uh, ooh, my brain just went dead. Uh, Nevertheless, he's on the other end uh, for the Rough Riders. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of injuries on this team. That's all I can say on this. Uh, but uh, you know what? With injuries, it makes new players come above and uh, makes better uh, newer receivers maybe for that case because they've had so many injuries in receiver. Ryan, I think you might be talking about some of them uh, new receivers. What do you think? Yeah, for your five fantasy players to watch in this game, we're going to look all at the wide receiver position across the board here. We've got three of them for Saskatchewan. Tevin Jones, 9,600 in fantasy. Samuel Emilis, 7,100. Sean Bain Jr., $10,000. Take your pick. Those three were money last week, whichever one of them you put in. Uh, In terms of which ones I like more, I really liked the Tevin Jones 14 targets last week. I mean, nine catches. Uh, first of all, I prefer a guy with a lot of targets over a lot of touchdowns. MLS, three touchdowns last week, put up a massive total. He's not going to replicate that. You would have to imagine week after week. But if a guy's getting, you know, 10 plus targets a game, then he can make a couple of touchdowns or make a couple of big plays and rack up the yardage and the point totals there. So, I think I like the plays of Tevin Jones and Sean Bain a little bit more. Uh, Bain's been averaging eight targets a game. Seems like he's a featured piece of the offense. Um, Tevin Jones, like I said, you would have to imagine gets another start here going forward uh, after the way he played last week. But MLS is the cheaper option at 7,100. Even if he's not scoring three touchdowns, week one he had a big catch there for I think uh, you know 30 or 40 yards in that one. Uh, which was nice to see as well. So it seems like maybe him and Trevor Harris have a connection and he's cheap. So really, I think you couldn't go wrong with any of these options, potentially. Uh, MLS, I think, has more touchdown potential here, uh, but I like the targets that the other two had. Uh, So it depends kind of what you can all fit in your roster there. If you want to take a Calgary wide receiver, I'm sticking with Trey Odom's Dukes. As a recommendation here for the third week in a row, he's still only $6,800 and much like Sean Bain, he's averaging eight targets a game and seems to still be a value play for them. Kind of their number three guy behind Malik Henry and Reggie Bagleton. And speaking of Bagleton, yeah, he's expensive, $14,200. But last week, I feel like we finally saw vintage Reggie Bagleton that we were missing at times last season. He's averaging 10.5 targets a game, tied with Dalton Schoen at 21 targets on the season. And last week, eight catches for 141 yards. 
You can kind of interchange him and Malik Henry a little bit. Either one, I think, could have the big game. But, you know, if, if Jake Mayer wants to keep that high completion percentage up, put the ball in Bagleton's hands and let him uh, make some plays happen there. So, yeah, I like a lot of the receivers in this game, fantasy-wise. Uh, Mike, let's go to you first. I think you kind of teased it a little bit. Uh, was it Sam Emelis? Yeah, it was. Uh and for Calgary, my pick is uh, Diedrich Mills. He had a 100-yard game quietly, most of which in the second half. Um, when things aren't necessarily working on the pass game, uh, look for Calgary to continue to run the ball and maybe wear down that Saskatchewan defense a little bit, which is a little bit light on the on the depth end of things. Uh, Try to really work it with ground and pound. Uh Ironically enough, Saskatchewan, I feel, would be served playing the same way. Uh, having Trevor Harris handle the ball for a long time, uh, six, seven-minute drives to keep that rider defense a little bit less exposed at times. Uh, this will be a great game nonetheless. Uh, I'm also tempted maybe to run the Calgary defense, although... Um, Although that might be a bit of a risky play given some of the playmakers that the writers have. Um, so, so I'm not, you know, I, in our Discord lead, I'm not even sure right now which which defense I'm, I'm going to run out. Um, for, for me, more of it, now that I think about this, as I'm kind of talking about it, I, I think I'd stay away from both defenses in this game. Um but, no, I, I do like the Drip Mills, and I do like MLS uh, for the Riders and maybe two of those other receivers that Ryan was mentioning. Trey, what about you? Anybody in this game catch your eye? Uh, yeah, I got Diedrich Mills and, oh, I can never say this guy's name. Who, who, who kind of yeah, sure. Throw him in there. I can never say it. And, yes, Rich, I'm always on the clock, so I am multitasking. Horse racing never sleeps, boys. So I gotta, you know, you're mad at many talents there, Trey. Uh, Adam, what about you for fantasy picking this one? Well, there's two guys I'm looking at. One is uh, if you want a real sleeper pick and you want to just try something to see if it works, because you know Saskatchewan seems convinced to build the new Canadian Air Force all the time. Why not take a look at Mitchell Picton? Uh, eventually, he's going to play and he's going to have a one big game. And he's going to uh, break out. So I'm going to throw Mitchell Picton's name in there. Uh, he's only had one target this year. Honestly, I'd be very tempted to not pick him. But hey, if you want one of those sleeper picks and one that could possibly just blow up and go hard, Mitchell Picton's probably the one. But in mine, I'm going to take Tevin Jones. He had a pile of looks every, every time they were throwing the ball towards Tevin Jones. He'd either make the catch, make a few yards, or just... He would always be able to control the ball. So I like him for Saskatchewan. For Calgary, uh, I I really do like Luther Kanavanu. Uh, looks like he's now on the healthy side of things. He wasn't listed in any injury report. And uh, Calgary needs him to be healthy because they're going to need to get some big yards in this uh, in this game. The other one also is uh, Diedrich Mills. Uh, I think the three guys have said him already. Uh, if Calgary's going to have success, it's always through their ground game. And... They're going to have to do the same thing here against Saskatchewan, which might be a challenge, but hey, why not give it a try? 
And as Richard in the YouTube chat says, Adam, always swinging for the fences. I like it. Speaking of swinging for the fences, perhaps let's go over to our betting picks here, Trey. Yeah, I think you might. I don't know. You might have to. Someone might have to come over and check on me after this one because I'm actually surprisingly going to take my at plus three and a half, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And for the main fact, this team, I believe, could have easily been. 2-0 if it wasn't for, a, I'm not going to say controversial, but a very interestingly handled punt return, which we all know was amazing. But if there wasn't this magical challenge of holding that now we apparently have in the league, Saskatchewan was right there. I think that deflated them pretty hard. You know, not only they think they got the stop to find, or they got the lucky holding to come back, then they're told, oh, no, just kidding, you didn't. You guys suck at tackling. So, you know, that's basically, I think the game went the other way. I think Saskatchewan could easily be 2-0. and So you're going to give me them three and a half points? Lock it up. Over under 45 and a half. I will take the over on that one. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I didn't think in you know, preseason that I'd be making this pick in week three, but I'm going to agree with you and take the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the Calgary Stampeders. The Riders have performed a lot better than what I expected from them this year, and Calgary really just hasn't amazed me so far. They've, I mean, to their credit, they got the win against Ottawa. Ottawa's got a bunch of problems of their own, and they didn't look very good against BC, so... Uh, yeah, I like the I like the riders. Not expecting Trevor Harris to light it up quite as much as he did last time around. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to take the under. I think on this one as well. I feel like every time Calgary and Saskatchewan play each other, it's a low scoring affair. I think the last couple of years we've seen a number of games that are 19-17 and something in that category there, and I don't see this being much different. So. Yeah, I'll take the under and I'll go different than you again on this one, Trey. Got to catch up somehow. Yeah, somehow. Adam, what what do you got? I'm looking at this one here and Jake Mayer has not really been impressive, even though he's on my fantasy team. Uh, I haven't been impressed with him yet. Uh, Diedrich Mills, he's got a lot of running to do through uh, some of the Saskatchewan defense. However, the defense of the Riders... If Christmas doesn't play, if Lanier isn't playing, that's kind of scary to me. Uh, just because there's a lot of pieces in that Saskatchewan defensive line that are missing, and that could mean a long day for running the football with Diedrich Mills. I'm going to take the Riders right now, but I'll be honest, I might be changing this pick here at the last second like I did last week uh, with Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Uh, but I'll take the over on this one. Saskatchewan scored a lot of points so far uh, this season. I think Calgary has the potential to score some points this uh, this game. Uh, and like I say, I think that probably if the Riders get 30, all Calgary needs to do is get 15. So I'm going to go with the Riders in the over, but uh, don't be surprised if I all of a sudden pull the pin on that uh, Rider vic uh, victory. Mikey, what do you got, buddy? Well, I'll purpose it by saying this, and this is nothing to do with my pitch. I better stay in the dread races to some of my family and my friends. However, the trick is I have family and friends on both sides of this. So it's impossible to be in the dread races of everybody. Uh, that being said, I'm going to take the over 45 and a half, and I'm going to take the riders to cover. I'm going to make a bonus pitch here and say the riders went by double digits. I don't got odds on that, so I can't uh, I can't add that to your total. But that's uh, we'll put that in there. 
double digit win. There we go. We'll put the receipt. So we'll we'll Thank pin it up in the Discord or something. Yeah. Wow, we all took the Riders as the underdogs in this game. I, I, I honestly could not see that coming preseason. I'm, I'm really surprised they they're the underdogs. And maybe it's just the road thing because you do give the home team three traditionally. So on a neutral site, they're saying this is a half a point game. So I do see that maybe that's the reasoning, but I mean, to be fair, Calgary's not exactly getting 17, 18,000 is kind of what they're getting. It's not going to be, I don't know. You know what I mean? Riders practice gets that sometimes, right, Adam? So And, and riders travel to McMahon lots. Right. So, that but, game could be very Christmassy. Yep. Not the Marcus mean, Christmas, just Christmassy. Yeah. I was just going to say it already kind of is. Uh, all right, final game of the week here. We've got the Toronto Argonauts visiting the Edmonton Elks, who are looking to win a home game uh, in front of the guaranteed crowd. Uh, game takes place Sunday night, I believe, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's go to you first here, Mike, to tell us all about this matchup from the Toronto side. Well... Well, well, this one might be a little generous for the line at six and a half. Um, but again, it, it looks so lopsided on paper. Uh, if you believe what one game and two games for both these teams is, uh, Chad Kelly, I liked a lot of what you did to start the game. Not necessarily finish the game. Um, the positive is you didn't throw the game away in the second half when things weren't going well. Um, I, I think you found a receiver uh, that could be a game breaker outside of Marquis Ambos, uh, Daniels, and that group in Totsi. Um, I like that a lot. Um, Toronto, I think, has the number one defense at this point in time, despite only playing one game. Uh, boy, oh boy, those guys made life miserable. Um, I thought Ryan was joking when he said that Ardos could potentially have this division locked up by Labor Day. Well, count me as one of those that is starting to feel that as well. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I looked at the two best teams on paper. Right now, that is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers slash BC Lions, probably uh, heads up to advantage to Winnipeg just based on, based on points scored and all that, but to make an argument for points, points against. Um, but Toronto is so far. Head and shoulders, the best team in the East. And I think it's going to be very interesting what's going to happen going forward because they're so good around them, guys. But I don't believe Chad Kelly has to play any different than just be himself and to take the page out of the Matt Nitro's playbook, manage the game. Don't turn the ball over. You don't need the throw for 350 yards. Just don't turn the ball over. Let that nasty running game take it over if you're not 
viewing it on a day that defense, you know, a couple two and outs. My goodness, Ardos might have this runaway ship, so to say, by Labor Day. And they might be rowing away from me in their Eastern Division. Yeah, unfortunately, I got to talk about the team that probably ain't rowing away from nobody right at the moment. The Edmonton Elks look like a deer in the headlights. No pun intended. Uh, 22 to nothing. It was just not even a good game against the BC Lions. Uh, I think the highlight of that one was honestly, I'm, 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 I can't figure out one right at the moment. Uh, the Edmonton Elks just are not looking start uh, good to start at the season. And a lot of fingers have been pointed at uh, Taylor Cornelius. I know Ryan is not going to like this, but he hasn't done a whole lot this season so far. He has not been very mobile. He has been throwing kind of odd fo- uh, balls. How is Dylan Mitchell negative four yards after two games? I don't care. That's mm. just just stunning. I mean, like this guy should be uh, probably getting at least 10 to 12 probably uh, throws at or targets a game and should be probably making 100 yards. This guy is a stud. And he has got negative four yards. I mean, come on, Edmonton. You got to do something here. Yes, Chris Jones has given his quarterback the, uh, the what do you call, seal of approval. Yeah, that seal isn't very thick. I'll tell you that much. Uh, it can be ripped open pretty quick for Trey Ford or for uh, Jared Daggy, I think, is on this team or whoever else that Chris Jones can find to throw in there and try to be a quarterback for this team. If it's Kyle Oxley or whoever else he can find. Injuries this week that are interesting. Manny Arsenal, unfortunately, does have an injury this week. Uh, so he expect him to be not sure if he'll be out for a while or just be out for this game. Uh, didn't practice in the first practice anyways this week. As well as Ed Ganey, uh, the veteran defensive back, also didn't practice in game or in practice number one. So just keep those in mind if you're looking at things as well. Uh, they released a kicker today. I cannot remember the name of the guy that got released. Uh, Ryan, do you know? Michael Domagala. Yeah, I I think he was just kind of a general kicker there for backup, or what was he? Yeah, he was Ticats kicker for a season or two there. Uh, came over to beat the camp competition, but I think lost his job to, uh, I think, Faithful's handling the, handling the kicking duties now. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, they released a kicker. But if Edmonton, I don't know. I, if I'm the Edmonton Elks and I'm the coach and manager and everything, which Chris Jones is, um, I would maybe, I don't know. I just, I want your guys' opinion real quick and then we got to move on to fantasy because we're running a little bit late. But I do want your opinions real quick. If you're Chris Jones, is it time to make a change in quarterback or do you just let Taylor Cornelius run? This has only been, it's only been two games. Don't get me wrong. But if you're Chris Jones, do you possibly start to pull the cha- uh, pull the leash a bit? Uh Ryan, I guess it's your quarterback in the draft. You go ahead first. I'm not there yet. I, I'm getting close. I, I think it should be close at this point, but I think there are other issues still facing the uh, the Elks, like the receivers, you know, a lot, a lot of dropped passes. The offensive line has been an issue so far there. The defense, to their credit, hasn't done a terrible job uh, this season. We're kind of getting that Chris Jones defense stepping into place. 
there. So if they can get that offense back on track a little bit, I mean, they were shut out last week, but they only gave up 22 points. If you get a little bit going on offense, it's looking a lot less of a, you know, it's looking a little different there in that game. So I think the Elks still have the ability to be competitive. They just got to get back on the right track and uh, get Cornelius uh, running more because they were at their best last year when he was. Trey, any comment? Uh, I don't know. I've been shocked since they gave him that contract, and I'm going to keep being shocked. I, I, don't, I don't think he's there. Like, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else you do, though. It's kind of a few teams that I don't think their quarterback's quite there, but I think Edmonton is definitely one. But I don't overly think Trey Ford's the answer either. If you think you're going to get the Nathan Rourke effect, you're not going to get that. So, I mean, I guess you go with the guy you're paying more right now, but you do at some point, I guess, have to give Trey Ford a chance unless, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mike? Yeah. It, it's interesting, and I, I think Chris Jones kind of boxed himself into a corner when he unequivocally went out and defended his quarterback 10 minutes after the football game uh, last week, which is personally something I wouldn't have done. Um, based on track record, I think everything should be evaluated every single week. I think two games is enough of a sample size given these offensive weapons, but, you know, it's not like they're dropping balls that are wide open. He's not even putting them in the same time zone as some of these receivers. Uh, I think the prime example is Dylan Mitchell at minus four, and I don't know if you heard me screaming and sighing during that whole thing because he's on my fantasy team and not producing. Uh, Another kind of eye-opening thing for me if Gino Lewis had that one play for a hundred and something yards in the, in the opening week, had nets to nothing last week. Uh, that that can't be happening when you have, you know, game breakers such as those two on there. Uh, at some point, the defense becomes demoralized when your offense just quite simply can't do anything. Like I looked at it and credited Dave Campbell. Uh, 6.30 Chad, he had a little chart on Twitter last night or the night before, and you can kind of look at at it for yourself, which was all the Elks drives and their starting field position. It's not like starting field position was an issue when you're starting at the other team's average, I think, was 32-yard line, but there were a lot of 40s and 42s in that list, and you can go check it out for yourself on Twitter. Uh Am I there yet based on what he said? No, but should he have said it? No, he shouldn't have because I think it should be an open evaluation until somebody wins a game. Now, is he your best option? Probably. But to me, I wouldn't have hitched my wagon uh, to uh, Taylor Cornelius at the end of last year. I would have given him a, a show-me contract because now you're going to look even worse if you have to move on from him with that contract. And and there were plenty of quarterbacks out there last year. And you know, I hate to be harsh on Cornelius, but like the time is ticking. Uh Everton needs to win a game and they need to win a home game soon. Um it's just not happening. Is it to happen this week? I don't think so. Uh I, I think you have Cornelius in there, but at, at some point you might have to look at had a couple of other options, and I'm not even sure their quarterback of the future is even on the roster, to be honest. 
Yeah, and if you look at this team here, I mean, you're right, uh, Ryan. You, the defense has done it very well, probably for the Elks as much as they've had to play. I mean, Adam Konar uh, almost leads the leagues in tackles, and Jake Serezna has had a great season so far. But, uh, yeah, it's the offense in Edmonton is the, is the biggest issue. And uh, that's, you know, Mike, you were mentioned about 10 minutes into it, they had, Chris Jones had to defend his quarterback. I have got such a huge issue with uh, reporters jumping into a locker room five minutes, six minutes, or just right after a game. Hey, what do you think of this? And sticking a mic in front of them. Let the guy calm down. Let him think about it for a moment. It bothers me, but hey, that's for another night for another discussion. Uh, you know what? There's still like there's still some good options in that uh, offense, and I think there's still some great point picks uh, in Edmonton. Ryan, did you pick any of them for fantasy, though, this week? Well, let's start on the uh, Argos side, first of all, because I think that's where most people are going to load up for fantasy picks here. And I'm honestly thinking of doing the same quarterback, Chad Kelly, uh, $12,300 in fantasy. I see Trey edited my notes here in the document a little bit to put number one QB. Uh, and that's right from the fan. Well, not quite right. Trevor Harris scored more fantasy points last week than him. Uh, but three rushing touchdowns is the absolute dream when it comes to fantasy football for a quarterback. And he's probably not going to get that many again, but if he's running the ball, if he's punching it in the end zone for six points off those touchdowns, even if he has a modest day of 200 yards passing, that's going to be a successful fantasy total. So Chad Kelly against this Elks defense, I like that. Uh, also, I think for the first time tonight, I'm going to mention a defense, and that is the Argos defense. I mean, Edmonton was shut out last week. BC got 15 points off them. Defenses, by the way, under pick a defense last in fantasy this year because touchdowns don't count for points. They might not even count your points correctly half the time for your defense. It really doesn't pay that much. But the only defense I honestly like this week is the Argos in this matchup. Uh, they have one of the best ones on paper. Uh, I think I mentioned last week, AJ Olette, I had my eyes on him, but I needed to make sure he was getting the bulk of the carries. And he is, uh, he got the bulk of the workload at running back while Andrew Harris did unfortunately take some of the goal line work, which muddies it a little bit. But at $9,800, I still like AJ Olette uh, if he's the lead back. The Elks also have given up quite a bit to the run so far this season. Um, a lot of people are going to be looking at DeMonte Cox yet wide receiver after his game last week. I'm not sold that he's necessarily going to be the go-to guy every week. And I'm not willing to abandon the value play I called out last week in Cam Phillips. It was disappointing. I think he had one catch, uh, last week and it didn't work out, but he's at $2,500 in fantasy and, uh, he should still be a starting receiver in the lineup. So, uh, you know what, it's as cheap as you can get out of a player and just a couple of catches in there is worth the value. So I'll stick with Cam Phillips here. And on the Edmonton side, people might think I'm crazy for doing so, but you got to take a shot here and there every once in a while. And I will throw Dylan Mitchell in the list of fantasy players to watch. There is far too much talent there for a guy at minus four yards in two games. He put up what? 707 games last year. This offense is going to get back on track to some extent this season, and Dylan Mitchell is going to be involved in that. I, I have to believe that, uh, that there's not going to be that far of a drop-off from last season there. So, you know, it, 
players rise up in price real quick in fantasy now. Like Alexander Hollins is $11,000. Sean Baines over 10000 These are guys that we looked at as maybe number three, four, five receivers on their teams preseason. So if you get a talent like Dylan Mitchell dropping to 8000 bucks, I don't know if I'm quite there willing to put in my lineup, but I think it is a play that I would be willing to potentially take a shot at if you really want to take uh, a shot and try to go against what most people are picking here. That's what I've got for my five fantasy picks from this game. Uh, Trey, you uh, going with Chad Kelly here again, or uh, who else from the Argos? Most certainly, and AJ Olet. Those are my two big money makers. And yes, I booed Andrew Harris every time he touched the football because why are you leaving Winnipeg? I don't know, man. And every time he touched it, it took fantasy points away from me. So, but all the fans in the crowd got a kick out of that when I was screaming he sucks. So, yeah, those are my two guys. I like the defense play. I did kind of consider them, but they aren't in my lineup right now. But that might be a switcheroo. Adam? I'm going to probably go with the Argos defense for sure. I mean, Jamal Peters, I believe, is going to come in and absolutely run, run wreck shot on the Edmonton Elks this week. Uh, same thing also with a bunch of the other guys on the uh, Argos. I just think they're going to get a lot of points, although it doesn't really matter because who cares? It's a defense. Nobody watches defense. Everybody loves offense, right? Nah. But you know what? Ch- Chad Kelly's on my list just because of his running. That noise. Anyways, uh, Chad Kelly's on my list. Uh, he'll be uh, probably on my list for a very long time until he gets out of my price range. Uh, he's pretty cheap right now, so I really like that one. And I also uh, really like uh, AJ Olet as well, like you guys just mentioned, for the same reasons. Keep feeding right. him the ball. That's all I got to say. I believe Mike is consulting his uh, inside sources here for his fantasy picks in this one. Uh, get You're off the phone now, Mike. Uh, so uh, what'd they tell you? Yeah, sorry. Someone was trying to phone me there, and I didn't realize I had my phone uh, on in the open. Um, no, I like uh, Chad Kelly in this one. I like the Idol D for Toronto. I also like that receiver. His first name escapes me, and the last name is Totsy. Uh, follow it up, bud. That's all I can say. Um, huh, for Edmonton, I'm in tough to find somebody that I like in fantasy. How about Kevin Brown? Uh, he has been awfully, awfully, awfully quiet for a guy that could really help his struggling quarterback and his, his struggling offense out a little bit. Watch for him and... Suddenly, I'm very reluctant to play Dylan Mitchell at a minus four in two games. But uh, sometime he's got a breakout. I'm just not sure if it's going to be this week. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Kevin Brown. That was definitely a guy that was close to making my top five there. I just thought uh, Dylan Mitchell would be the uh, flashier, risky play uh, to put out there for the Elks side. That uh, I, be- I still believe in him. I really do. Um, that's it for fantasy players to watch in this game. So we take a look at our betting picks. We'll throw them up, uh, the odds up on the screen here and take it away, Trey. Boys, I, I just think the Toronto Argonauts are a freight train and the team like playing against a team that couldn't put up a rouge last week. You know, that's yeah, minus six and a half. Give me that all day. Sorry, Edmonton, you're not winning at home this week, according to me, and 44 and a half. 
Again, I'm going to go under because I don't see Toronto putting up more than 30, and I can't see Edmonton putting up more than 10. So, you know, that's kind of my score there. So, yeah, minus six and a half Toronto with the under. Mike, let's go with you first this time. It must be some kind of week because Trey and I agree on a lot. Toronto and under. On the point. I think we've agreed on every every game so far, Mike. So uh, it's, it's a, a strategy. It's a momentous occasion. Mark this down. The 21st of June, the longest day of the year. Trey and I agree on absolutely everything pitch-wise. I'll, I'll, I'll start making out the plot right now. We'll see which that. we'll see which force wins out here. Will Mike's zero yeah. four week last week drag Trey down, or will Trey Trey lift Mike up? Adam, you know what? You had the four and zero week last week in spreads, man. What do you think? Well, I'm looking here, and I uh, I I went and I just checked out the schedule here. July the thirteenth, Edmonton plays the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think that's probably the first time that Edmonton could possibly see a win at home. Uh, the other one is August the 30th against the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm sorry, Edmonton fans. Uh, but you're going to keep those uh, tickets that you bought from the Ryder game that were guaranteed win night for a very long time right now. And you're going to get a real good deal on those tickets because, yeah, Edmonton ain't winning this one against the Argonauts. Uh, I would probably bet a very, very small – what's a bigger uh, – bugged in an ant beetle farm i don't know <laughs> nevertheless i bet the beetle farm uh on the uh, toronto argonauts and uh give me the under on it because yeah both of these teams i don't think put up a whole lot of points uh but our Argos are definitely going to put up more than edmonton well i'll make it consistent across the board i'm taking toronto and i'm taking the under here as well i think the argos are a really good team and edmonton i've been wrong on so many things with them so far this year i'm not going to trust picking them again right now in this one although it's a little bit scary i guess to take the under with a six and a half spread there with it being 44.5 but you know what the argos I mean, the Elks aren't going to put a ton of points on the board, and their defense, to their credit, has actually held both the Riders and the Lions to modest totals there. So, yeah, give me the under on this one. Sounds good, boys. And, of course, everyone watching, you can check out our Discord. I post everything, our potential payouts, everything like that, and you can see uh, how much we would want uh Sorry, I'm, I keep reading chats. I'm so dumb. Richard, don't type when I'm talking. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, check out our Discord. I got it all locked up in there for any degenerates who want to know how we're doing. And Adam and I are the only two in the positive. So air high five, buddy. It's okay, Rich. I'm just kidding. <laughs> In terms of uh, the question, have we picked all the same winners oh. this week? Uh, we did, except Adam picked the tie cats uh, to beat the Alouettes is the only difference there. So either good week, average week, or uh, terrible week for all of us. And you, ha- yeah, you picked a couple different. I think me, Mike, and Adam are the same on everything, and then you've picked a couple different unders and overs, right? Yeah, so I think that's oh, yeah. the only difference, but. Yeah, I'll have that all up in the Discord. That's what I'm kind of working on too, Rich, here when I, everyone else is talking, is getting all those potentials paid out here. So, a lot of math. I'm not a math guy. 
Well, I think that is it for our week three uh, game previews here. I guess quick, uh, quick recap uh, and preview of fantasy. Uh, our fantasy total. So in our CFC fantasy league, I did have the highest score of week number two with 94.2 points. Sean White, my leading scorer with 19 points from his five or six field goals in that game. I get a lot of uh, points from my last picks in the draft. It's great. I love it. Uh, Trey, you had finished with the second highest score of the week at 78.9. Chad Kelly, Dalton Schoen made up uh, pretty much all of that total combined. Uh, Adam, you finished at 70.6 on the week. Uh, you mentioned you had a down week, but Jake Mayer actually, uh, your highest scoring player of the week in that 15 from that BC defense with the shutout uh, contributed for you. Uh, Mike, a down week after a strong start to the season, 63.4. Uh, those Elks receivers really hurt me bad here, but Drew Wallatarski and Zach Caleros, uh, kudos to you on uh, good games there from those guys. Uh, we'll see what week three brings there. Uh, hey, can I quickly could I quickly mention why I screwed up or why I think it was a down week for me? Yeah. Yeah, because there was a bunch of moves made by me just after we went off the air uh, uh, last Wednesday. First things first, I added Sam Emelis to my roster. Great move, right? Except when the last second you go into straight him off for Alexander Hollins, who you also added to the roster for Duke Williams. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, a lot of second guessing on my part. And uh, yeah, if you're going into this fantasy stuff, don't second guess yourself. Just take the pick you made at first because uh, it didn't go well for me. Uh, Richard asks a good question in the chat. What stat source are you using for these scores? Uh, basically making them up because the CFL does that too. Uh, no, I'm using the air quotes official CFL stat PDFs because, you know, it's 2005 and we're downloading PDFs to find out the stats. Uh, um, I don't know if those are even correct. That's what I'm going with. They seem more accurate than the live game tracker ones. So uh, that's what we've been calculating here uh, for these. A um, couple of moves already made this week as well. Uh, Trey Queen, Matt Schultz, the Terrell Pagrom uh, era on Team Trey is over. Uh, Trey, you didn't want to stick it out for the breakout? No, and I honestly thought it was going to be more of a bidding war for Schultz too, so I shouldn't have even put a dollar amount on him, but I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, and Mike claiming Devontae Coxie. You've talked him up here a little bit already tonight uh, for a couple of bucks and dropping Mitchell Pickton, who was at one of Adam's uh, fantasy players to watch. So I give it like 24 hours before he's on Team Adam uh, and then taken out of the lineup and then puts up three touchdowns. Uh, in the CFL podcast fantasy league that Trey, Adam, and myself are playing, uh, it is a league for charity. More money goes to charity. Whoever wins. Uh, I think we all went, uh, I think we went three and O last week, guys. Uh, Adam, uh, you won your matchup, uh, over the Argos fan cast. I beat the X's and Argos show and Trey, you put up the highest score of the week at 132.8 points. So, uh, CFC crew running it across the board and that league, uh, kudos Trey for the, the highest score of the week. Um, this week in fantasy matchups in that league, Adam, you're facing uh, Superfan Mike from the Turf District, uh, last year's champion there. 
Uh, Trey, you are facing Joe from Rouge, White, and Blue, the previous champion before that. And uh, I'm facing Zach Schnitzer from uh, Bonfire Sports, who is known to put up some big weeks there as well. So it should be some great matchups. Make sure you check out all those shows and all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Finally, in the CFC Discord League, uh, Adam, you, uh, after the results reversed, you won your matchup this past week uh, to improve to one and one there. Uh, Trey, you beat Mike. Uh, Mike, you fell to Trey in, in that matchup there. And uh, I did win my matchup until the stats got corrected and I lost by 0.4 to uh, Discord member Extreme uh, 88. So uh, that doesn't include the latest correction of the stats, which might actually trend in the other direction. I honestly don't know what to do with these leagues anymore. This is chaos. Uh, we're all just here to have just, fun, right? Just pull out a tie and go home happy. Yeah, we're just here to have fun. That's what this is all about. We are all having fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the CFL where the calls are made up and the stats don't matter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mike, you face FM Fan 2014 this week. Uh, he's been in our YouTube chat a little bit here tonight. Uh, also, I think put up a pretty good total last week. Uh, let's see, Trey, you're facing Josh M from the Discord group. And uh, Adam... You're going down this week, buddy. Oh, you can think so, but uh, I can't remember, but I think I'm the only one that's 2-0 in the podcast fantasy league. Just saying. Yeah, uh, I should have included a separate list of fantasy suggestions just for Adam. I hear Bo Levi Mitchell is dressing on Friday night and could be an excellent fantasy pick for you. Perfect. I might take Bo. also, Also, I'm taking that legendary Andrew Harris. I think he might have something. All right, well, that's our fantasy matchups, fantasy results uh, there this week. So uh, best of luck to everybody in our Discord and podcast network leagues, anybody tuning in from those leagues there. Let's wrap things up here tonight and find out where you can find us on social media, uh, which is that is there we go. I did it. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. There again, check out the link in the description to come chat with us in our CFC Discord. We're having a lot of fun with that this season. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, starting to tweet a little bit more often, getting a little bit feisty uh, with, with some of my CFL takes. So, uh, you know what? Put Matt Schiltz in the Hall of Fame. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, let's go to you first, Mike. Uh, where can people find you and what you got going on? Well, first off, I think we should start a new weekly segment. If your Twitter uh, feed has been any indication on what's budding Ryan, uh, everything <laughs> pretty much. Um, on a more serious note, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Gerald. You can find my work. Facebook.com, Bass Game Time TV, MB, Game Time TV.ca. Just a sporting note for everybody on the way out. Nothing to do with this podcast. It's a baseball related note. The Cincinnati Reds won their 11th game in a row today. They are now leading the NL Central. Their longest winning streak at 11 games since 1950. So that is my stat of the night for you, non-football related. I remember that year as if it was yesterday. 
All right, let's go over to you next, Trey. Where can we find everything you've got going on? Yeah, just a bunch of horse racing stuff at Trey Harness Link. We'll always be there doing that. Uh, I don't have any horse racing stats here for you. I don't know. Uh, a lot of track, actually, a lot of Canadian records got broken on the weekend, which is very interesting. The biggest track I've ever been to. So, hey, here's this. I've mentioned it in the Discord, but anyone else watching, I really highly suggest watching. It's called Ontario Racing Unfiltered. It's on TS. It's on Crave, and it's also on TSN's YouTube for free. It's a 15-minute video, and they're going to do a series on racing. And the first one was on harness racing. And I think the next harness racing episode, they were shooting it while I was there at the track. So episode three or four, make sure you look out to see uh, me on TSN. Right on. Uh, yes, make sure you check that out. And uh, Adam, you sent me a picture before and said, put this up on the slide. And I, I don't know what it is because I didn't really look at it. So uh, hopefully this is fine to show. But uh, what are we looking at here, buddy? Well, that is a crop of, well, anybody want to guess? No, no, no. Corn. Uh, no. That's not corn. That's even close to corn. But this is the Adam. <laughs> I thought Come on, guys, cool. get out in the field more often. That's canola. Uh, yeah, that's our crop of canola. I just took a picture of it today because I know you guys all love seeing uh, the crop pictures once in a while over on our Discord page. So make sure you join us over there and check it out. Uh, don't post very much lately on Twitter uh, with the crop photos or anything. But, uh, yeah, definitely if you want to check out our Discord page, I'll try to uh, post more of the videos and little things going on for the farm. Um, maybe I'll make a separate little channel so you guys can enjoy all this kind of stuff and uh, admire a good crop of corn. I mean, canola. Well, I don't know. I thought these were the corn fields on Stewart Farms where we were going to, you know, house the 11th and 12th CFL franchises. So uh, didn't we talk about, you know, big battle yeah. in the corn fields? Yeah, no, it would be uh, it'd be tough because I don't think there's a corn field within 100 miles of this place. But uh, yeah, we could do the wheat fields. I mean, could mow out a wheat field or something and make a track around it so Trey can run horses or something. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, uh, we'll, we'll uh, like I said, we'll try to get some more pictures up there for you guys uh, of things like this uh, over on our Discord page. Make sure you check that out. And oh, there might be some also some good CFL information over there. And hey, if you start growing the corn now, you know, the field might be ready by the time the Atlantic schooners come and then we'll be ready for franchise 11 and 12. Just, uh, just like just like Ryan's Twitter page, he's trying to choose violence in this uh, in this section. So I don't know why he's trying to convince me to grow corn. I don't know. I don't know. Do your, does your violence. ants need corn for your ant farm? No, maybe I'm just bitter about the slow start to the year for Taylor Cornelius. I don't know. Uh, anyways, we'll be back again next week, same time, same place. Week four CFL preview, where we'll do all the fun things we just did tonight. So look forward to that. I mentioned where you can find us on social media and on the Discord already. So I think the final thing to mention here is whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We very much always appreciate that. Uh, on behalf of our panel here this evening, Mike, Trey, and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.